I, um, I want to invite you to take your Bible and go to Habakkuk chapter 1. I can say I've been in vocational ministry this year would be 15 years. And I have barely ever read Habakkuk, much less preached out of it. I have read it. Uh, I don't remember anything about it until just a few little key points which led me there today. And as you're going to Habakkuk, I, um, I just think that I need to, um, I owe it to this church, and I specifically owe it to um, those of you who may be joining us for the first time. Um, this past week, we experienced an, an, um, just a terrible tragedy in our church. Um, our youth pastor, Bo Roberts, went home to be with Jesus on Tuesday, and his wife's sitting here on the front row. I can barely look at her because it just... It overwhelms me with emotion to see you worship, to see you give it all to Jesus. And I appreciate the example that you set for the rest of us. Amen. Amen. I also look on these first two rows, and I know things that some of you don't know. I can tell you five, six, seven things that are occurring on these first two rows of struggle and heartache and pain and grief. And I know that we are all going through something today, but we're also as a body going through something together. And I want to honor Bo even now, even today, <laughs> for him to, if he were here today, and if you know Bo, you know this is true, he would have been worshiping his heart out. He would have come up to me after church and said, man, did you see how many people were here today? Isn't that awesome? He loved Lifehouse probably more than me, honestly. <laughs> Maybe more than Jesus. <laughs> um, just being sort of honest with you. But if, if, you're, if you didn't know what had happened and you felt uh, a specific heaviness in the room, first of all, the Holy Spirit is very present in this room today. Amen. And I'm very thankful for that. But also, there's, there is another heaviness, and it's not necessarily bad, but it's, it's heavy. And I just want you to understand that what's going on and I feel like I owe that to you and I feel like I, I I just I need to address that before we go on any further and I'm going to be real with you I hope you'll have grace for me I've never walked through this as a pastor in this situation like this so if I if I don't do it all right um, and, and you think you could do it better you can you're welcome to try <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek but I kind of mean it and Bo always laughed at my jokes so you better laugh too okay Habakkuk chapter 1. The first four verses of, of chapter 1 say, The burden which the prof, prophet Habakkuk saw. Verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity? Caused me to see trouble, for plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention, there is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Now, Without some context and without some understanding, those first four verses may sound strange, but in essence, what Habakkuk is saying, why are bad things happening to good people? Why are we going through this moment of pain and heartache? Now, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could. There's only three chapters of Habakkuk, and I wish I could tell you that by the time you get to chapter 3, it would be like a, a romantic comedy and you would start with, you know, the tension and the, the, the tension would build throughout the movie. And then by the end, the tension would dissipate as we all came to a happy ending and everybody was great and it was wonderful. I wish I could tell you that. But here's the thing. Real life doesn't always work like that. And I'm so grateful that in the word of God, we are given examples of real people who were loved by a real God, but they experienced real life 
And sometimes that real life was fantastic. And sometimes in that life, they experienced the abundant blessings of God. And they experienced good times with, with lots of great things to talk about. But because it is real people living in a real world and living real life, sometimes, and if you'll allow me to just be a real person with you for a moment, sometimes things just suck. So how do we address it? When we, when we look to God and we say, why God? Why are you letting this happen? Why has this occurred? And, and it's not just about this specific situation that we're in right now. There have been countless times through my life I have asked that question. And if God gives me more time on this earth, I can pretty much guarantee there will be other moments as I go forward in life where I will ask that same question as I face problems, as I face difficulties. And many of you in this room, you're facing your own situations where you would say, if you're, you're going to drop the overly spiritual facade and stop you know, being this pretend, make-believe, nobody really is that good kind of Christian, you would say, what? I don't get it, God. I've done this, I've tried to do right here, I've been faithful, I've served you, I've tithed, I've served, I've given. Why? Why is this happening? And Habakkuk is this kind of a prophet that's very, very unique throughout the scriptures. Most of the times, prophets of God, they hear from the Lord and then they speak to the people. But what Habakkuk does as he sees what God is doing, and the entirety of the book, all three chapters, are basically Habakkuk going, God, what's up? Why? If you'll let me, he's kind of saying, what the heck? We're going to dive into that today. But I want to set the stage for what's about to come. When we finish this message, we're not going to be in the place like the rom-coms that we saw specifically in the early 2000s starring Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock where everything just comes out okay. And Hugh Grant and all those people. You know, because somewhere mid midway through the movie, and listen, before you judge me, yeah, I'm a fan of those, okay? Back up off me. You like your things, I like my things. I don't judge you, at least not outwardly. So you don't judge me, okay? Keep it to yourself. Okay? You, 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 even if you've never seen the movie, you usually know that by the end of it, everything's going to be okay, right? But sometimes everything isn't okay. So, Father, today, I pray that your word would do marvelous work. That, God, that you would speak directly to our hearts. And that, Lord, as much as I want to ask you to change situations and circumstances, and, God, sometimes you do that, and I'm so grateful for that, even more than changing the situations and circumstances today, Father, I pray that you would change us. that you would draw us close to yourself, that you would be our source of peace and comfort. And God, just as we have sang, just as we have prayed, that you will be the ground upon which we plant our flag of trust. That even as the things of this world failed us, fail us, and even as situations bring us immense pain, Lord, we know that we don't have to face them alone. You are Emmanuel, God with us. So today we cling to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Habakkuk lived about 600 years before the birth of Christ. And this is a very unique time in history for the people of Israel. Now, I don't know how much you know about Old Testament uh, history and Old Testament theology. And to be very honest with you, I went to school for four years and studied it, and I still get confused sometimes. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, 
There's a lot of different people, a lot of names you can't pronounce, a lot of places it's hard to pronounce. Uh, but this is well after, and if you don't know uh, this happened, this will be news to you. This is well after Israel split into two nations. You had your northern nation and your southern nation. And one of the nations they just called Judah because of, it was named after uh, Judah, the son of, of uh, Jacob. And in um, the 12 tribes of Israel, if you remember going back to your, your time in, in Exodus all the way through, through uh, somebody help me, Joshua. Uh, I had to think it through right there. Somebody out there is really smart with the Bible, and y'all, you're silently judging me, just like you did with the rom-coms, and I'm going to need you to back up off me, okay? <laughs> but this is an interesting time, because what's about to happen is, is, is actually worse than what is happening during Habakkuk's day. Habakkuk is, is talking to God, and you read it here in, in these first few verses. He says, uh, the burden, which is, is a strange but appropriate word that Habakkuk uses when he says the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Because what it is, is a prophecy that's been given to Habakkuk by God. And the way he talks about it, you know, most of the time when we talk about the Lord speaks and he sa- it says, you know, the Lord prophesies, most of the time, thankfully, we see that from a very positive perspective. We'll, we'll even pray, you know, I need a word from God. I need a word from the Lord. I need a, I, but, but, but Habakkuk was given a word from the Lord, and as soon as he received it, he tried to give it back to God. He's like, no, we, we need to put that one back in the jar. Let's, let's see. Let's, come on. Let's, is there anything else you got in there? Because this one, this is more like a burden than, a, than an encouraging word. And that is exactly what is going on in the book of Habakkuk. Because what is happening is God is setting the stage and he is telling the people of Judah that the time is coming soon when the Chaldeans or the Babylonians will come and they will invade Judah and they will take captive Judah and they will exile you to Babylon. And this is where we get the book of Daniel. Uh, We get the uh, different characters like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is about 60 or so years before that actually occurs. But during the time of Habakkuk is a tough time already. It's a difficult time. There's famine. There's poverty. And and, and Habakkuk is saying to God, God, why do I call out to you? Why are we calling out to you? And it seems like you don't hear us. Why do we cry out to you violence? Which is to say, bad things are happening. But God, you're not doing anything about it. Why, Why are we pointing out the injustices and the sin and the problems and the pain? And instead of helping in this situation... You're telling me, you're telling me that in a few years the Babylonians are going to come and take us out of here? God, why? Why is this happening? Why is why are we in so much pain? I thought we were your people. I thought that we were the the the, the offspring of Abraham and you said that through Abraham the whole world would be blessed that we would be blessed. You told Joshua that wherever your foot treads, that's the land I'm going to give you. You've made all these promises to all these different people, but here I am. We're doing everything right it feels like why are we in the middle of this mess what why have you forsaken us and can I just tell you I don't like this book because it reminds me that that me and us and you going through hard times terrible times tragic times even as people of God it's not an anomaly rather common one read through the book of Acts in the New Testament will tell you very quickly that bad things do happen to good people and of all the promises Jesus made us an easy life is not one of them of all the promises Jesus made us Tomorrow isn't one of them. Now, I know today I'm not getting any amens. And for once, I'm okay with that. Because I'd actually be a little worried about you if you amen some of the stuff I'm saying. I would think there's a, there's a problem there. Uh, so I'm okay with that. Um, so today I'm just preaching a message. I'm just calling it Why God? Because that's my question today. Sometimes... The things that God says, sometimes the things that God does, sometimes the things that God allows 
I think we would join Habakkuk and say, this feels more like a burden than a word. This feels, this feels more um, like uh, a problem than a blessing. And just like us today, Habakkuk walks through this problem where why is God a God who could intervene, could miraculously change the circumstances, could bring healing, could do some sort of a miracle, could, and for many of us today, many of you today, not us, according to my wife, but could help us have a baby or, or could heal my sick body. That, was, that wasn't supposed to be funny, but I understand why you laughed there. I kind of messed that one up. Although I'd be okay with it. Happy Valentine's Day to you too. <laughs> I mean, but can't we all agree? The things that are going on in your life right now that you would say, God, I need you too, and then fill in the blank. We all know that he can. And we all know that he loves us. We, sometimes we don't feel it, but we know it. But then yet, why, why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you changing this situation? Why aren't you healing this body? Why aren't you giving us a child? Why aren't you, for many of you today on Valentine's Day, and I'm not making light of this, why aren't you helping me find a spouse? Habakkuk's name, though, is probably the most interesting thing to me about the book of Habakkuk. If you look it up in a Hebrew dictionary, you find out that Habakkuk's name actually means to embrace or to wrestle. So Chad, can you help me out for a second? Come up here for just a second. I am not going to wrestle Chad. Because I don't have my, my weapons on me. And I don't feel like getting hurt in front of all you people today. But if you've ever watched wrestling, or, or you know, as I like, wrestling, right? So, so, so do you know what a grapple is, Chad? Put your arms on my shoulders. So this is a grapple hold. Where two wrestlers, two people are fighting one another. And this is literally what the name of Habakkuk is saying. That he is a person who is wrestling. Don't get too aggressive now, okay? <laughs> Listen, I, I'll, I'll bring a knee in there. I'll take you out. Listen, I don't fight fair. I fight to win, brother. brother. <laughs> so Habakkuk's name is literally saying he is wrestling with God. He, he is embracing. But it's not like, a, it's not like a, this kind of embrace. It's more like a, this kind of embrace. Thanks, Chad. Everybody give it up for my friend Chad. I could go in real south if he wanted it to. So even in his name, Habakkuk is telling us what he is literally doing with God. Even in his relationship with God, he says in, in verse 2, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you not hear? He's, he's holding on and he's saying, God, I'm crying out to you, but it's like you're not hearing. Even cry out to you, violence. There's things happening, God, and, and you're not saving. And, and why do you show me iniquity? Why are you allowing all these things to happen that I'm seeing? And, and you cause me to see trouble, plundering and violence before me. There's strife, there's contention. And God, where are you? What are you doing? Are you asleep? Are you real? Are you active? And let me tell you something. You call yourself a Christian, but if you have never asked to yourself, God, are you even there? I don't know if you're a real Christian or not, because I don't know a man or woman of God worth their salt that hasn't truly asked the hard questions and dealt with the hard reality that sometimes, even though you feel like you're doing it right, God isn't there. And so you ask, why don't you care? That's what Habakkuk asked. Why don't you care? 2,600 years ago, he's asking the same questions we ask today. Not even just in this moment, but all the time. Why, do you, why don't you care? Why don't you listen? Why don't you do something? Why don't you intervene? And, and instead of doing the thing that I think you should be doing... This is a backing story. You're telling me, you're telling me that it's about to get even worse than this. 
You're telling me, God, here, I don't feel I could get, could get any worse, but you're giving me this burden, this prophecy, this message, and you're telling me it's going to get even harder? You've got to think that, 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 that Habakkuk was like, why can't I be more like Isaiah the prophet? Why, why couldn't you give me the prophecies about the coming Messiah that was going to save people from their sin, that was going to deliver Israel and be the Savior of the world? Why can't I have that story? And maybe today you're looking around at somebody else's life that you know, and you're saying, why can't I have their story? Why can't I have that story? Why can't I have the miracle that they had? Why can't I have the testimony that they had? I don't want this one. So, you ask yourself, I ask myself, is it, I used to ask it, I know the answer now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know. Is it okay to question God? And the, the answer is absolutely yes it is. Abs- I used to believe though that, that questioning God meant that my faith was weak, but what I've come to find out, it's in my questioning God that actually becomes a strength to my faith. You know, I went to, when I, I was joking earlier about going to Bible college, going to the university, and I would take New Testament and Old Testament theology. And for the first half of the semester, I pretty much became an atheist. I was like, he's not real. The Bible's fake. It's all, it's all. I don't believe any of this stuff anymore. And you're all like, this guy's our pastor? Wow, okay, cool. Listen, I'll do a lot of things, but I won't lie to you, okay? I won't lie to you. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the dirty truth, and some of y'all are like, can you just polish it a little bit? <laughs> no, there's a few weeks there that I was like, God's not real. This is, this is fake. This is made up. And, um, but I, I figured out what, what was happening. Our professors, I thought my professors were, were atheists too for a little bit because <laughs> they would bring up all these questions, and I'd be like, I, I, don't, I don't know. And they would ask us, and I'd be like, you're the doctor. Why don't you tell me what the answer is? <laughs> I'm 19 years old. You're 64. You should have figured this out by now. I don't know. And I've never been in the military, which um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And so is the United States military. But it, it's a similar... I just looked at Candace going, like, making a face at me, messing me up a little bit. I'm going to stay over here. Sorry, Candace. Love you. I... Um, it was a similar situation as to what they do in the military is they, they, they break you down because they want to destroy your preconceived notions. Because most of the things we learn when we are young, and this applies to so many different things in life, are wrong. And so I went to college. I was 19 going to, to Baba College uh, pretty smart already, I thought. I'll be real with you, I was way smarter at at 20 than I am at 36, okay? I was so much smarter. Listen, if I had become the pastor of LifeHouse in my early 20s, oh, you would have had the smartest pastor ever. Yeah, yeah. I I know how dumb I am now, okay? Life has humbled me. It's taught me a lot. And I went to college thinking I was so smart. And quickly I discovered that I was not at all what I thought I was. And so much of what I thought was accurate and and right about this was not. And what they did, just like they would do in the military, is they began to tear me down. Because what they were tearing down were the things that that were wrong, the things that were inaccurate, the things that that were in error. And then slowly but surely they begin to build me back up. They begin to build my faith. They begin to show me that that all... Although my faith was misguided, it wasn't, it wasn't in the wrong person. I just didn't understand my faith. And, and what was happening is that instead of my faith being what my preacher taught me, my faith became what I taught me and what the Holy Spirit taught me and what God showed me for himself, not just me taking the word of somebody else. And listen, we've all got to come to that point if we want to truly mature in Christ. Listen, you can't just depend on me to give you what you need. If you're not out there giving it for yourself and learning it for yourself, you will find yourself to be a weak and impotent man or woman of God because you cannot survive eating one meal a week no more than you can survive hearing the word one day a week. And so I, 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 I learned very quickly that God's okay with my questions. It, God was okay with me asking things like, why would a good and loving God allow this to happen? 
God was okay with me having doubts. God was okay with me being honest about my doubts. I used to think that, that if I express my doubt or my concern or my lack of belief or lack of faith, that somehow I would insult God and he'd be like, well, fine then, if you don't even believe me, I'm just, I'm just going to get on out of here. But how many of you know that God is not an egotistical brat that's so easily insulted by somebody's easy-to-answer-for-him questions? You understand what I'm saying? It, God, God, is, God is God, okay? And, and he's not offense, he is not offendable. He is not easily offended. He, he is not scared of your questions. I know a lot of us, we, we would struggle when, when people would ask us questions about our faith because we don't have the answers. And we feel insecure about not being able to provide an answer. But God's never felt insecure a day in eternity. He's not put off by our questions. He's not, he's not insulted by our doubt. He's, he's not even upset with us when we're angry with him. Somebody really needs to hear that today. If you feel angry with God, you're in good company. You're in great company. A third of the Psalms are different men crying out in anguish to God. Sometimes angry with God. Sometimes questioning God. Sometimes doubting God. Job, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Ecclesiastes are filled with these different statements of God, are you there? God, are you real? God, do you care? God, are you? what's wrong with you, God? I, if you would just listen to me, God, things would be better. Anybody ever felt like that? The Bible is also full of that. There's a man that comes to Jesus and says, I need you to heal my son. And Jesus says, to him who believes, anything is possible. And the man, I love his answer. He honestly and truthfully says, Lord, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. Because even though I believe, I'm, because that's what real faith is. Real faith is not what you feel. Real faith is what you choose. And so the man goes to Jesus and he says, I don't necessarily feel this, but I'm choosing to believe it. And as I choose to believe it, Jesus, can you help me to believe, believe it? You know what I mean? Like, can you help me to believe it down in my guts, God? Help me to truly believe it. Help me to truly, to truly not doubt you. Help me in my doubt, he says. Help me in my unbelief. And everyone in this room has gone through these moments. And every, many of you in this room are going through a moment like this. Where you're questioning God. Where you're wondering, are you real? Are you there? Do you care? Have I upset you? Like, are you mad at me? My wife, she's like, you, all the time, like something will happen. And I'll be like, well, you know, I did this thing like three weeks ago. I must have made God mad. Listen, I try to preach good theology up here, but sometimes it, sounds, it gets pretty rough out there, y'all, okay? And she's like, why don't you say, shut up. And you don't can't tell me that, but she can. And actually, she won't. She'll be like, be quiet. And if I say shut up, she gets on to me, especially if my kids are around. And then my kids get on to me too. And anyway, I shouldn't go down this road. <laughs> but that, that's not how this works. That's not that God's anger was taken out on Jesus on the cross. His anger was fulfilled on the cross of Christ. And you saying something that you shouldn't have said or doing something that you shouldn't have done doesn't cause his anger to be poured out on you. It's already been satisfied. Everyone in this room has gone through those moments in life. Many of us are going through those moments now. And sometimes, honestly, most of the time, there just aren't words. There's just not anything that can adequately help. And I appreciate the well-meaning individuals who try to say something. But quite honestly, you can take your little Christian cliches and you can shove them where the sun don't shine. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear God works in mysterious ways. That's actually unbiblical to those that he, that are close to him, the Bible says that he reveals his plans and purposes. So you need to, you need to shove that and you actually go read your Bible and start, stop saying stuff that's not true. You know, I don't, I don't want to hear, 
Um, everything happens for a reason. That's not true. I know, I know it may sound true, but if, if you'll actually read your word and stop quoting stuff you read off Facebook, you'll find out it's not true at all. Because sometimes stuff happens and there's no reason and it's just awful. Now what the word does say is that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So what that, what that tells me is sometimes things happen that, that God... God didn't do that. God didn't make that happen. God didn't want that. But when we take that pain that results from that situation and we take the, 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 everything that surrounds that situation and we say, God, and, and listen, I'm, this is how I pray. If you don't like it, find you another church because I ain't got time to play patty cake Christianity with you. But we take that pain and we say, God, this absolutely sucks. And I don't really understand how you could do anything good in this. But that's why you're God and I'm not. So you better figure it out because I can't figure this out. Because everything doesn't happen for a reason. But God, when everything is surrendered to Him, He can use it for good. It doesn't mean it's going to make it better. It doesn't even mean that it's going to make it right. It doesn't mean that it's going to make it worth it. But it does mean that God can redeem anything when we put it in His hands. He said, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There's strife. There's contention. The law, he's talking about his word. The law is powerless. Now Habakkuk's not being exactly right, but he's being honest. And God is so much more concerned with that. You got, God's right. And so he doesn't need me to always be right. But he does need me to be real. He does need me to be authentic. He can take care of being right. I just need to take care of being honest. He says, strife and contention arise. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. So again, God, or Habakkuk just felt like, God, you don't care. God, if you do care, you ain't doing anything. I remember 14 years old. And forgive me if you feel like you've heard this story too many times. I don't know your story, so I have to tell my stories. 14 years old, my mom comes to me and she says, Your dad is blacked out on the golf course. Let's go to the hospital and see him now. And we would go to church occasionally. I had a very, very elementary um, understanding of who Jesus was. Uh, because we went to Christmas services and we went to Easter services. So I, I at least gathered enough to understand that Jesus died for me, that God loved me. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of where I stood in my faith. I don't know that I was born again, a born again believer, but I, I would have told you I believed in God. I would have called myself a Christian. However, I don't think I was one. And so we get in my mom's car and we take the 30-minute drive from from Sebastopol, Mississippi, to Philadelphia, Mississippi. And, and in that 30-minute drive, under my breath, I'm whispering the whole time, God, if you're real, God, if you're real, my dad's going to be okay. God, if you, if you love me, I've heard you love me. If you love me, my dad's going to be okay. There's no way, God, if you're real and you love me, you would let something this bad happen to me. There's just, you wouldn't do that. You're a good God. You wouldn't do that. You, would, you wouldn't. I'm a kid, God. He's our provider. He's my dad. He's not perfect, but he's my dad. He's the only one I got. If you're good, if you're real. And, you know, I did the whole little bargaining thing. God, if, you, you know, if everything's okay, I promise I'll live for you. I'll start going to church. You know, I'll do, I'll do all the things. I'll do all, whatever they are, whatever all, all they are. 14 years old. I mean, I, I, I make light of it like I was a kid. But listen, stuff like that happens again today. I ask those same questions and say those same things. We get to the hospital and immediately find out that he was, he was passed away. And I made up my mind that day. I mean, in that hospital, in the chapel of the hospital, I made up my mind, God, you suck. 
you laughing, but I had made up my mind that number one, if he is real, he sucks. Some of you are all like, I can't believe you're saying this right now. I've already told you, God's a big boy, okay? He's not a little sensitive, prissy nobody, okay? He can handle the truth. He can handle your feelings. And I made up my mind in that moment, God, you suck if you're real. And I made up my mind that you probably aren't real. This is all fake. This is all a lie. This is all garbage. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I began living my life from that point for the next year. Hell on earth, man. I, was, I would get in fights. I would get the snot beat out of me, and I didn't even care. Because what was the point of living? Well, one day we're all going to die anyway, and then we just won't exist anymore. What's the point of living? Yeah, I was that philosophical about it. The absurdity of life. What's the point? But the entire time, I didn't even know it in the moment, the entire time God was working behind the scenes, turning something terrible for something good, not making it good, not making it okay, not even making it better, but he was doing a work in my heart as I began in my my dedication to live a terrible and sinful life. He was sending people into my path all the time that would speak life and love to me and tick me off, if I can just be honest with you. Get on my nerves asking me to come to church. How are you doing? I would, I listen, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want anybody to, I didn't want to be nice to anybody. I didn't, I, I hated life. I hated people. Hated everything. Hated myself. Tried to end my life three different occasions. I say tried. I, 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 did, it. I did everything I could do apart from actually doing it. I was ready to die. I did not care about anything or anybody, myself included. But the Holy Spirit, even in my rejection of God, was chasing after me harder than I could have ever imagined. And one day somebody invited me to church. And I just decided to go for reasons that I cannot explain other than I knew there would be girls there. Sorry, babe, you're the only one for me. <laughs> she already knows this, okay? And that night, the Holy Spirit gripped my heart sitting on the back row. And I said the most basic prayer, God, if you are real, which again, that's where I went back to. God, if you are real. That was really my salvation prayer. I prayed the formal one later at the altar, but that was really the moment I gave my life to Jesus. And for two hours, I wept on the floor of that church as the Holy Spirit began to heal hurts, relieve depression, deliver me from the spirit of suicide. And later... I was able to look back on what I had walked through and be able to sincerely and truly point to the fact that God used the worst thing that ever happened to me to bring about the best thing that ever happened to me. That doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make me happy it happened. But that does help me understand that God And use them for the good to those that love him. And sometimes even say he sucks to their his face. He redeems it. And he uses it. And the pain that you're walking through today, I am not in any way undermining that pain. I'm not saying that whatever God has on the other side of that pain is going to make this pain worth it. Because that is just simply not true. But I am saying that if you will continue to do if you continue to do like Habakkuk and embrace God, even as you embrace your hurt, embrace your God, and as you continue to wrestle with what you've gone through and what you are experiencing, and as you, will and as you continue to wrestle with God, to, to be honest with Him about your questions, to be honest with Him about your doubts, and to be real with Him with your anger, God would rather you yell at Him than walk away from Him. God would rather you cuss him out than, than, than not follow him anymore or not hold on to him anymore. God, God would rather you doubt him than decide you don't want to have anything to do with him. God would rather you question him all day and every day rather than to say, I, God, I'm done, I'm done, I'm walking away. 
goes on in verse 5. He says, look, among the nations of watch, be utterly astounded, for I will work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. And then he goes on and he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They're going to march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty. And they do whatever they like. You can read it. Because this is what Habakkuk's saying. God, why do the bad things keep happening? This bad thing happened, and I thought, okay, this is, this is the valley. But something else happened, and the valley got deeper. And can I just tell you, sometimes that is life. Sometimes that's how it goes. I told you, I told you at the very start, I'm sorry, this isn't, this isn't your sitcom sermon. This isn't your romantic comedy sermon. We're not always going to find ourselves at a better place from where we started. But at least along the way, we can be honest, we can be real, and we can know that it's okay to wrestle with the Lord. Habakkuk's like, you know, God, what I'm asking you for help, you're telling me that things may get worse before they even get better. That's, that's not help, God. That's, that's not good. The hits keep coming. And, and you know, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you know, you're like, as, I, as if I haven't already. But really, the last several months for me personally have been really hard. Between being sick with different things, going through situations, a church, walking with people through different situations they were going through. I told Kristen the other day, I feel like I've been sick since September. Something's been going on. And I know some of you are walking through different things right now that make, make that look like nothing. But for me, I was like, come on, God. Where are you at? Fix this. Come on. You know, I felt like Paul saying, there's a thorn in my flesh. I need you to remove it. And, and, and God was saying, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And I was like, I don't know if it is. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Maybe for Paul, but like, I'm not Paul, God. I need you to fix this because I can't do what I need to do unless you do what I feel like you need to do. See, me all have never heard this real and this honest to preach it, and it shows by your faces right now. <laughs> you know, and last Sunday, we had an incredible Sunday. And I honest, I thought to myself, this is, this, is the, this is where the tide changes. And then Tuesday, our entire Lifehouse community is hit with a blow bigger than anything I could have ever imagined. Thankfully, Habakkuk continues to write. He doesn't stop in his pain. He doesn't just put down the pen and say, I'm done. And here's why. It's because a committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions of God and embrace a genuine faith in God. A committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions of God and embrace a genuine faith in God. You have to be able to do both at the same time. Habakkuk began to see, you know, God does. He understands my pain. He, he welcomes my questions. He's not afraid of my questions. And he would rather, I'm tell, I've said this before, I, t I tell you again, he would rather me yell at him than me walk away from him. I want you to, t like, seriously, take that thought if no other thought. Take that one away. 
that he would rather you yell at him than walk away from him. Because so many people have walked away from faith in Jesus because they felt like Jesus let them down when the whole time he was trying to show them there's more for you. You just have to keep coming. You just have to continue to understand that this isn't easy. And I'm not even saying that this is going to feel like it's worth it. But there is something if you'll just keep walking. There is more if you'll just keep pushing. There is more instead of letting go. Wrestle with me. Embrace me. Be like Jacob. Jacob, when the angel of the Lord came down... Uh, He said, all right, let me go. I got to go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Listen, I'm encouraging you today, Lifehouse. I'm encouraging you hold on to the hem of his garment as long as you got to. And don't let go until he blesses you. Don't let go until he turns around and he says, listen, you're being so persistent right now. What is it you want from me? And and, And Jacob always walked with the limp. And many of us today, we're limping, but we're still moving. We're hurt, but we're still going forward. We might be going slower, but our direction is still the same. And as a church life house, we have to be committed to the fact that we may limp, but bless God, we will move. We have to acknowledge our doubts, knowing that when we acknowledge our doubts, when we acknowledge our doubts, that is the first step to building a deeper faith in God. I would have never grown in my faith if I had never been challenged in my faith. Embracing the hard questions opens the door for us to mature in our understanding of God's true character. Because a lot of us have grown up thinking God was just a divine Santa Claus. That we gave our wish list to and said, these are the things I need you to do for me. And if you don't do these things for me, then I'm going to stop believing in you. Right? God, I did this, 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 and this. So you need to go do this, this, and this. We may not verbalize it like that, but there's too many people out there that are living it like that. Growing in intimacy with God often requires us to bear that which feels unbearable. And real pain gives us the opportunity To experience deep hope. The kind of hope that doesn't come from when everything is going your way. The kind of hope that has stood the test of a trial or trials. And it keeps on hoping. I don't want to overly simplify how we respond. But two thoughts come to mind. Number one, when you're in the valley, you have to remember... You have to actively remember. If you go on to Habakkuk 3, and it's just in my Bible, that's literally like the next page because the book is so short. Habakkuk begins to remember all of the things God has done for him and for the nation of Israel. He remembers how he delivered Israel out of Egypt. He remembers the pillar of fire and the pillar of, 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 of cloud. He remembers the manna. He remembers the food. He remembers how waters were parted. He remembers that God is a God that delivers, that God is a God that saves. And for many of us today, the way that we move forward is remembering by what God has done for us in the past. And when I face hard times today, I'm reminded of all the hard times God has brought me through in the past knowing that even though even though those are distant and even though you know sometimes it's easy to minimize what God has done in the past I have to actively remember because that's what the enemy wants me to do he wants me to get to this trial today and then to not be able to remember how God brought me through this situation before but the Holy Spirit would say actively you know and by active that means I have to do it on purpose it doesn't happen by accident I have to actively remember God you got me through it before and God this is a lot harder but you're not limited by how difficult the situation is and if you could get me through this then I believe you can get me through if you can get me through that you can get me through this and if he'd done it before he can do it again so we actively remember and then we wholly embrace we completely and totally embrace our pain feel your feelings don't deny it don't be afraid to grieve don't be afraid to mourn don't be afraid to share that pain with somebody that loves you and wants to stand beside you So many of us live unhealthily because we think as Christians we always have to put on a brave face. And that is not the case at all. No, we have to be who we are. And sometimes who we are is a person who's hurting. So we embrace our pain. We embrace our doubts. We embrace our questions. 
but we equally, if not even more, aggressively embrace our God. Even in the middle of the pain, the problems, the doubts, the questions, I'm holding on to you because I know he's holding on to me. Habakkuk goes on and he says, in verse 16, he says, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. (laughs) This is what he's saying as he's looking forward to the burden that God has given him, to the word that God has given him. It's not even so much that Habakkuk is going through it all right now, but he knows that it's coming. You see, it's not about making the best of a bad situation. That's probably another cliche that needs to be thrown out, you know, with God works in mysterious ways. It's not about making the best of a bad situation. It's about keeping our eyes on the good God in the middle of the bad situation. It's about keeping our hopes and our attention directed to a loving Father, even when we feel like that love is far away. Because again, faith is not based on how I feel in the moment. Faith is based on the decision that I have made. And then, the culmination is found in verse 17. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, the sovereign Lord of my strength. And here's the thing, and this is hard for us because we've seen too many movies and we've read too many books and we've, we've heard too many stories of how it, it started out bad or it started out good and then somewhere in the middle of the story it got really hard and there was a lot of tension, but thankfully the story didn't end there and then by the end of the story everything got better and everybody was happy and everybody lived happily ever after. And Habakkuk, it starts out with him saying, oh, this is really bad. And then in, verse, and then in chapter 2, it's like, hey, this is, this, is, this is still bad. And then in chapter 3, it's like, okay, I remember how you've done things before, and, and, and get, but, but this is still... This is, this is still bad. Where's the happy ending? Where's the happily ever after? Where's the point where we, we look and we, and we go, okay, God, when are you going to make everything better again? And Habakkuk tells us, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But even though the, the fig tree doesn't bloom, even though I didn't get my miracle, even though the thing that I was praying for didn't happen, regardless of how it, I feel, even though I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my strength, and that's when faith really takes over because it becomes about who he is instead of about how I feel. And it's not easy. And if you've ever walked through it or if you are walking through it, it is the hardest thing you will ever do. But it will do a work inside of you like you could never imagine. That's when faith grows, not on the mountaintop of success, but in the valley, in the shadow of darkness. That's when faith takes root. That's when you find out if you're really planted in the love of God. And just like how we sung earlier, I will build my life not on the present circumstances. I will build my life on the presence of God. Don, you think? <laughs> so I don't have answers. If you came today looking for answers, you have to Google it. But I have hope. I don't have answers. But I have him. Kayla, I'm not going to dishonor by trying to make this easy. I'm going to honor him by planting my flag in the hope of God. Because that's exactly what he would tell me to do. 
He would encourage me in my faith. He would say that even though in this life there may not be a, a positive outcome, there is an eternal life where all tears are wiped away and all sorrow is gone. And you, you may be going through something right now too. I'm not going to try to belittle your pain by saying, oh, it's going to be okay, it's going to be all right. Because guess what? Sometimes it's not. But even when it's not good, he still is. Even when it feels like hope is lost, he is my hope. Even when I am faithless, he is faithful. And when I stumble and fall and fail, he doesn't forsake me. So today, as easy it would be to try to just say, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it. And, and, and don't get me wrong. We are going to make it. I'm actually telling you today, this is hard. And that's okay. Let's embrace it. But let's embrace our Father just as equally as hard. Let's be real about our questions. Let's be honest about our pain. Let's be honest about our doubts. And maybe today your prayer needs to be, Father, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Father, I have hope in you, but God, help me, because right now I feel hopeless. God, I know that with, all, with you all things are possible, but right now I feel like you're absent, and I don't know what you're doing, and I don't understand your ways. And as we are real with God, I believe He will be real with us. I'm not sure we'll get what we want, but we'll get Him. I'm not sure we'll get the answers we're seeking, but I know our faith will grow. And while it may not be good, somehow, some way, He will redeem it, and it will not be in vain. That's what real faith looks like. Listen, I don't have time for the super spiritual Christian who follows up every statement with glory and hallelujah and amen. How you doing today? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Bless God. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. I ain't got time for that patty cake garbage nonsense. I want to be real with God because I want God to be real with me. I want God to be real to me. And God... And we've said this before. God cannot bless who I pretend to be. Come on. That's what he told Jacob. What's your name? Not who you calling yourself. What's your name? What's your identity? For Habakkuk, it was a man who said, I'm wrestling with this situation. But I'm also equally wrestling with my salvation. Will you stand with me? This morning. Lifehouse, and listen, if this is your first time here, even if you don't plan coming back, we're calling you family. I don't care if you like it or not. You're one of us, you're here today. couple of things. Number one, don't minimize your pain. Don't think to yourself, oh, so-and-so is going through so much more than me, so what I'm going through is not that big of a deal. That is the devil whispering in your ear trying to minimize your life, and don't listen to that. Don't, don't, give, that, don't give that any space in your mind right now, because if you're going through it, your father is a good father, and he cares. So today, before we dismiss, before we go and we go be the church, Instead of just doing church. We are a family. We are a community. We are a body. We are the body of Christ. And if you're walking through what feels like the valley of the shadow of death. Or maybe you're just walking through a, 
a situation where you're thinking to yourself, God, where are you at? There are men and women of God who want to pray for you and agree with you and, and come and stand beside you to strengthen you. Before I came on the stage today, I got 56 text messages on my phone from different people everywhere. I'm telling you, I'm glad to know that I've got men and women of God who's got my back and standing beside me. And you need it too. Whatever you're going through. So as our team leads us, if there's something in your heart that would say, God, I, I've just, I'm wrestling with this. Help me to also wrestle with you. I want you to come to this altar.